Hey guys, before we start the interview, uh, just a heads up, when I recorded this, the internet connection wasn't that great, so we kind of went in and out, and there's some delay in the answer and response, but the interview's still really good, there's some really good information, so if you just bear with us and get to the end, I am sure you guys will all enjoy this one just like all the other ones. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm really excited with our next guest as he went through his own transformation story just like I did. So I'd like to introduce you guys to Alan Meisner. Say hello. Hey, uh, nice to be with you. Uh, so for the audience, can you just kind of tell you tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got into this whole industry? Okay, well, um, I was a career wonk, you know, uh, making money, working for a corporation, uh, really focused on career for, uh, you know, 25 years of my life. And, and during that 25 years, I was quite successful uh, in my career, uh, but I was not very successful in my health and fitness. And although I came from a very athletic background, um, I started to see that part of me disappear. And so being in my 40s, uh, I started kind of uh, putting together that if I didn't take better care of myself, I, I wasn't going to be around much longer and I needed to start focusing on it. And with, with that attention, with kind of that commitment to being a better person, being a better me, uh, I, I kind of went on an education bent. And, and for me, when I want to do something, I, I put you know all of me in it, 100%. And so I took the time to really focus on you know, learning everything I could about health and fitness. I, and, and from that, um, I went on to earn uh, a personal um, trainer certificate. And I did that, and then I, I looked at a couple specializations, one in corrective exercise and another in fitness nutrition. And, and all of this was a very selfish thing of saying, I want to, be, I want to know what I don't know. Uh, even though I had come from an athletic background, I knew that there had been a lot of science, a lot of changes. So I really wanted to kind of have an, a better understanding, a better foundation. I never really intended to be a personal trainer when I jumped into this. Uh, but the more and more I got into it, the more I enjoyed the fact that people were asking me questions and I was able to give them the answers because I not only had you know learned it as a part of becoming a personal you know certified personal trainer, but I, I actually had, had practiced it and I had seen it work in my own life. So I, I kind of knew the steps that someone would need to take uh, to lose the weight to to get themselves to a better health. And so you know more and more people were asking me how I did it, what I did. Uh, so I, I, I decided, you know, from that, that um, I did want to help other people and that I could help other people get through this maze of information that's on the Internet. And that's why I launched the podcast, 40 Plus Fitness, um, and launched my personal training brand, uh, Forever Fitness. That's awesome. Like, I love when my clients get to a point where they want to research and find out more what they can be doing. And it's almost like a good addiction because the moment you see small success you're like oh if i keep learning more of what my body's going to go through if i do this like x y and z i can just get there a little quicker which is like the thing that you just did there absolutely um so when you started your like weight loss journey what was like the first few things that you implemented to kind of you know jump start you in the right direction well there were there were a lot of st- starts and stops, a, a lot of yo-yos, because I had what I would call kind of uh, 
good information, good intention, but I, I didn't have all of the elements of what I think a successful uh, health transformation actually takes. And so where actually kind of the rubber hit the road was when I finally decided that I had to commit to this. And I use the word commitment with my clients because, you know, you, you hear terms like resolution and willpower and, um, you know, those, those are fail words. You know, if you, if you do a New Year's resolution and fail at it, everybody expects that because 92% of people fail at their resolutions. And it's almost, a, 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 I guess, almost a, a, a surge of pride for people to say that they lack the willpower to do something. You know, and so when I hear people use the word willpower and I hear them use resolution and, and those types of words, um, it's almost like they're, they, they have the intention to fail because they're not using the right word. The right word is commitment. And when you're committed to something, emotionally really committed to something, you, you don't cheat on it. There, there's no, yeah. there's no off, you know? And so, you know, just like when you, when you get married and you're sitting there saying your I do's that emotional visceral feeling that you're going through at that point, the, the, the rings, the whole, all of that ceremony, all that that's happening that day, it fundamentally changes the wiring in your brain. And so if you will make a commitment to yourself, to your health, um, and the fundamental way that you do that is, is first you have to know why you're doing this. So for me, it was my wife and kids. And then you have to kind of have a vision of what health and fitness looks like. So what is the, what is the end game? Where are you going? Um, and for me, that was I wanted to look and feel younger. I, I wanted to be uh, stronger and able to take care of myself uh, in, for longer and longer. You know, as we get older, I didn't want to lose independence. I didn't want to have to depend on my family. I want my family to be able to depend on me. So I had a vision of where I wanted to go. I had my why for what I needed to do, you know, why I was into this. And then I just made that commitment, that commitment that I was going to be more healthy and fit. And I knew what it looked like. So I knew the direction I needed to go. I really like that as like finding your why. Cause I think most people, when they, you know, go into fitness, they're just like, I just have to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. So they kind of go into it just like half ass almost and just spinning their wheels. And then they wonder why they're not seeing success. And they kind of go on like the example of like new year's resolutions. You kind of go on a high, like this is the year that I'm going to you know, break through that ceiling. I'm going to finally get healthy. And then, you know, after the first two weeks, you're back added to old habits, right? Yeah. And, and I think you put it very well. Uh, I was listening to your episode with Dan John and you, you just kind of put it that once you've kind of got your mindset right, it, 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 become, it becomes easy because then, then you can put into practice the right things to keep you on track. Oh, definitely. Like the moment you have some sort of goal that's one realistic, you could just think about that one thing and just kind of keep striving for it. And even if you have like a bad day at the gym or you're not really feeling that day, but you did something towards that goal, you can look back at that small little step and like, hey, I was closer now than what I was yesterday just because of that small thing. And, and I think that's, that's particularly important as you get a little older because, you know, you're, you're going to struggle with certain things um, because your metabolism has slowed down, because you're, you're not quite as strong 
so you you know you you will see fitness gains, you will see health gains, uh, but sometimes those those gains are so incremental that they're almost imperceptible on a day to day basis. And so just making sure that you stay you know patient, persistent, and, and keep working on your progressions because you know what you're doing is valuable. Uh, you know, again, it's kind of the keys to keeping you in the game. And I think also like people have a misconception of what like real weight loss is. Cause when you, you know, go on the internet or your Facebook, you will constantly see like 30 day challenges where people change their lives. And then automatically people assume like, Oh, I can do a 30 day challenge and drop 40 pounds and that's it. I'm done. But really it's, it takes years of good habits and like dedication, hard work just to get to that point and not 30 days. So it's kind of tough for the regular Joe. Yeah. Well, the, the reality is this, you, you, you can, you, you, you can, I, I could put you on a 30 day program and we could probably take maybe not 40, but maybe 20 pounds off of you. If, if you have more than say 30 pounds to lose, if you have 30 to 40 pounds, maybe 50 pounds to lose, I could probably drop 20 pounds off of you in, in just, uh, 30 days. But the problem is that your your short-term thinking of, I want to do this, and then I'm going to go right back to being the human I was before, living the way I was before, uh, is yeah. going to put you right back to having the same results you had before, which were not acceptable to you. But yet people believe I can go on a diet for 30 days, and then after I lose the weight, I can just go back to eating cake and cookies and ice cream, and I'll be fine. But so, yeah. you know, they have to think of it more like a lifestyle change. Um, and you know, it's not that it's, you know, always going to have to be dead on 100 percent. But for the time that you're really focused on hitting these goals, then you have to be pretty damn near 100 percent. And then once you get past that and you're into somewhat of a maintenance level, then maybe 80, 20 works for you. Yeah. Um, so when you were like right at the beginning of your like weight loss journey, like how much time did you take to like dedicate to cooking healthy meals or like going to the gym or just like prepping yourself for the next day to make sure that you're hitting all the points that you need to do? Because I think a lot of people don't really know how much time and effort they would actually have to put in to see a significant change in their body. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, that's kind of a loaded question a little bit because I think, um, yeah, I know. I mean, you can't put a ton of time in. I mean, if you enjoy being in the gym, if you enjoy cooking or you enjoy these other things, you, you may end up spending a lot more time doing these things because they're, they're things that you enjoy. And I, and I would strongly encourage you uh, to continue to do those things. What, what I, what I tended to do was to look at my time because, you know, again, uh, I did have a full-time job, probably more than a full-time job. So balancing everything that I wanted to balance in my life, um, I, I didn't have a ton of time uh, to do a lot of things. So, you know, I would I would take on practices like batch cooking on a Sunday and, you know, package the food up for the week. Uh, I would, uh, you know, do some other things uh, like in the gym, uh, introducing some things that if, you know, if I just didn't have a lot of time that morning, uh, to get a workout in, um, I, I could go do a Tabata. And a Tabata is a, a high-intensity interval training that literally just takes you four minutes. And you can do that. It's going to raise your metabolism. It's going to give you some of the benefits of the uh, strength and, and, and endurance exercises that you're doing for that, that, that period of that Tabata. Uh, but you can just mix things like that. In, in four minutes, sitting in your living room, uh, get one of the most intense workouts of your life. 
Yeah, and like I even tell my clients that, you know, even if they're late by 15 minutes or they don't really feel like coming in because they have low energy, you can always modify your workout and you don't need the full hour because if you have only energy for 30 minutes, then like let's make the 30 minutes the best 30 minutes of a workout you ever had and then you're actually going to feel better and then when you come back next week, you're going to be even better. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think that's the other misnomer is that, you know, Yes, uh, professional athletes and uh, fitness models and bodybuilders, uh, they need to spend time under tension. They have to do the, do the work of, in hours and hours and hours in the gym. Uh, but the, you know, for base fitness uh, levels of what most people sh- should be targeting in their lives, uh, you, know, you, you can go in. I, I, I'm rarely in the gym more than 45 minutes for my workouts. They're very focused. I know why I'm there. Uh, I get a real good quick workup, you know, warm up, and then boom. You know, you hit the program, you get it done, um, and then you cool down a little and you go home. So, you know, you don't have to have hours and hours to to get to a level of fitness uh, that most people would target. And that's why I really like when I was searching for some, like, people to interview and I saw that you had a podcast for, you know, people that are 40 and over, I was like, oh, this is a great idea because when you go on social media, all you see on Instagram is guys and girls in their 20s, half naked, shredded to bits. And then you're a 35-year-old with a couple of kid, kids and you're looking at that like, man, that's the expectation. I don't think I can do it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that, is, that is a reality that, you know, can, you know, I'll, I'll, I can show you a picture of what I look like at 29 years old and you can look at a picture of me now um, and, I, and I don't look the same. And, and I, I probably never will uh, be able to lean out to, to where I was when I was 39. I had, you know, basically at that point I had a 31 inch waist. Right now I have a 32 inch waist. Uh, you know, I just can't seem to break it down any further than that. And that's just, you know, where, where my genetics are, where I am at this point in my life. Um, and, you know, in looking at my, my, my balance of my life and my health and my happiness, the reality is, does that, will that one extra inch off of my waist really matter in the end? And, and, and the answer is no. I really just want to be healthy and happy. And as long as I have those two things going for me, uh, you know, the, 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 the cosmetics of it, you know, I'm not going to say there's no vanity when you get older. There certainly is. That still exists. But, you know, it's not all about me wanting to look better than I did when I was 29. It's really about me being a healthier human. Yeah. Like, I think you hit the nail on the hammer right there. Cause like, I think precision nutrition did a great article on like the cost of getting lean and they show different like body fat percentages and they, on the men's side where they showed like anything below 10% of what the things you have to do. And it's like, you would have to live a very strict life to have shredded abs all year round. But if you are like, say a mother of three kids, it's probably not going to happen unless, you know, you dedicate all your extra time to just meal prep and just workouts and not really being that happy with the result. Yeah, there is a balance with health. I mean, uh, the lower, the lower you're trying to get your body fat down below what would be your basal level. Like I can tell you, uh, probably my most balanced and healthy level tends to be right around 18%. So I don't, I don't look, you know, all cut and ripped at 18%. I I just look generally healthy. 
Uh, for women, that's going to be a little bit more than that. Uh, but when you're in that base level, you're, you're, going to, you're just going to feel good. Your skin is going to look and feel good. Your hair is going to look and feel good. Your eyes are going to look and feel good. Everything about you, you're just going to have vibrant health. Uh, when you start trying to cut down below that, then in many cases, you, you might actually be jeopardizing some of that health effect for just that little bit of uh, leanerness, you know, being a little bit more lean. Yeah, because I know even like women who start dropping really close to single digit body fat, that's it starts throwing up a whole new game of problems in their like hormonal profile. And like I remember way back when I used to train women for um, like the bodybuilding shows, and when they're like right at the moment where they're about to go head on stage, like they actually stop menstruating because their body fat percentage is so low. And what usually happens after the show is that they'll you know, binge eat like crazy because now they're allowed to eat food and then they're like 20 pounds heavier than they were before. It's kind of a bad cycle just going over and over like that. Yeah. And when I was younger doing bodybuilding, it was, it was kind of the same thing, you know, back then is, you know, you, you bulk up and you lean down and you bulk up and you lean down and, you know, that, that cycle of work over time, uh, it just, it just really messes with, like you said, your hormone levels, it messes with your overall metabolism, uh, and again, it's, the, the real question here is, you know, are, do you care more about how you look or do you care more about your general health? And I, and I would hope it would be the latter, um, you know, because you really should care more about your health and, and how well you're taking care of your body. Uh, and if you're doing that, you're, you're going to look better just by the nature of it. Oh, definitely. That's why I kind of try to promote my clients who have kids. I always try to tell them, like, you don't need to be that, that ripped guy or girl. Just be fit enough that when your kids are growing up, you can catch up to them and they're not, you know, beating your butt down the street with you're racing them. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, having the functional fitness to do the things that matter to you. So, for, for example, maybe you're, you're, you're sitting there and uh, maybe you have two kids, one in a stroller and one that's walking with you. And the one that's walking with you goes and runs off. And, you know, you now have to catch up to that child before it runs into the street. You know, do you have the stamina and the speed to dash down the sidewalk oh, definitely. and grab like that it. child? Because that's when your fitness is going to matter the most to you, is when you need it. You know, a kid falls and you need to be able to pick them up and carry them home, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, they get the medical care that they need. Are you going to have the strength and stamina to carry that child home? And, and so those are the things that you should be thinking about, particularly if I could be dealing with children, is do you have the functional fitness to live the life that you want to live? Yeah, I love the idea of functional fitness because especially now in summer when clients tell me that this is the first summer they felt strong when they started gardening in their backyard and they weren't sore and destroyed the next day. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, like, when you first started with your weight loss journey did you ever fall victim to like yo-yo dieting and crash diets to kind of cheat your way to your goal uh, no not exactly i mean here here's here's the basics and the basics work like this you know there's there there are various uh, approaches to food uh, and every one of them has a a theory behind why it works and the reality is and I got this from Dr. Jason Fung when I interviewed him. All, all diets uh, work 
and all diets fail. And, and the base premise is this. Uh, if you eat on a certain diet, more than likely uh, you're eating less of the things that you shouldn't be eating. Because there's, you know, yes, there's a Twinkie diet, but I doubt that's the diet you're going to pick first. Um, but you pick a diet and, and you pick an approach and then you, you start doing it. Now, what most people do after they do something like this is they then revert back to their old ways and they get their old results back. So, you know, what I did was, was fairly simple when I first started. Uh, I did go more on what we would generally call a paleo diet, but I, I just call it a whole food diet, which means um, if, if I couldn't recognize it as something that grew in the ground or was a living thing, uh, I didn't eat it. Uh, so if it came in a box, it, it didn't go in my mouth. If it was in a bottle, it did not go in my mouth. And I started that, and I, and I lost a good bit. I lost probably about 30 pounds just with that, eating real food. Uh, who knew? And then I said, okay, well, I want to <laughs> cut more of this fat. I'm kind of plateauing. You know, at that point, I was about 225. And I said, okay, I'm plateaued here. Uh, I want to I do a little bit more. Uh, so I did go more towards the ketogenic diet. Uh, which is basically where you're trying to break through an insulin resistance because that's that's effectively what was happening. Uh, I was eating a little too much protein. Uh, I was still eating some carbs, uh, too much fruit probably. And so what was happening was the insulin was keeping me from being able to reach the fat the way that I needed to. And so I had uh, hit homostasis. I was stuck at that plateau. So I, I went into ketosis um, and was able to then continue to lose down to uh, where I am right now, about 205. Do you feel like the ketogenic diet is something good long-term or just kind of temporary to kind of break through those plateaus, like you said? There, there are people that stay on uh, ketosis all the time, and there are others that like to cycle in and out. I'm someone who uh, likes to cycle in and out. Um, and, and so it's, it's, again, like I said, it's just... You have to think of this in terms of it being a lifestyle. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of science behind uh, why ketosis can, uh, you know, be good for you. Uh, you know, people on with epilepsy uh, have found great benefits uh, using ketosis that cut down on their uh, their tremors uh, and episodes. And uh, a lot of people in um, with uh, prediabetes and diabetes have reversed their diabetes. Um, by being in ketosis, because they effectively are, are making their body uh, react in a way that you know the insulin spikes aren't there. Because if you're not eating sugar, uh, then there's no reason for the insulin to be in your system. So the pancreas doesn't create it, and therefore now your body can start metabolizing your body fat uh, when you you know when you're having an energy deficit. And so it it, it is safe, uh, you know, for most people. Uh, if you tell your doctor you're going to try to go on a ketotic diet, uh, he or she's going to talk, try to talk you out of it uh, because they get a little confused and they don't, they don't study uh, nutrition at all. It's not a part of their training. Uh, they, they speak on it. They have no problem talking about nutrition, uh, but that's only from the perspective of what they know the dietary guidelines are that have been put out by the federal government. So, you know, if you, if you want to eat to the my plate standards or whatever the government's calling their standards right now, uh, they're going to have you not eating uh, a high fat diet, low carb diet. They're going to have you eating more of a balanced uh, macro diet. 
Uh, and again, if if you can manage your food portions and manage your your life that way, uh, you know, don't consider it a diet. Just consider that's that's how I eat. And that's so. Again, I I, I use ketosis when uh, you know I've I've noticed that my my body fat has started to to trickle up a little bit. That'll happen from time to time as my activity levels drop, or I get you know really into a project and I'm just not uh, you know the stress and things like that are causing me to hold a little bit of body fat. Um, you know I'll go I'll go put myself in ketosis for a little bit of time and and then just kind of trim that up a little. Um, how much do you think stress plays a role trying to lose weight? Uh, I I did I do I did a diagram for my for my clients that I kind of show them this because you know when you when you talk about personal training you know in many cases if I'm working with a client directly I I might get three hours out of a week with them maybe five if if we're if we're doing good uh, but that still leaves well over 170 hours uh, <laughs> they have uh, running around doing other things uh, so. When I look at it, I would basically say, kind of in this order, that um, food probably represents about 50% when it comes to actual weight loss. Uh, exercise, maybe 10%. Uh, because you can, get on a, you can get on an elliptical machine and work your butt off for an hour. And depending on your body mass, depending on your effort level, you're going you're gonna to burn anywhere from 400 to 800 calories in that hour on the elliptical machine. But you can sit down and in five minutes eat a Big Mac that has that same 800 calories. So, you know, exercise is not really the answer to all of it. It, it, it is a part of the formula, but I, I'd say it makes up maybe 10%. Uh, sleep makes up about 20%, and I believe stress makes up about 20%. So if you were going to look at things to focus on, uh, I would say focus on your food first and then Focus on your sleep and your stress. And they're, they're very interrelated. If you're managing your stress well, you're going to sleep better. If you're managing your food well, you're going to sleep better. Uh, if you're exercising, you're going to sleep better and have stress reduction. So, you know, again, all of these are really interrelated in a, in a health scheme as you start trying to work through being a better person. Uh, and so, you know, but, but stress is extremely important because of the effects it has on your, on your metabolism, the effects it has on your overall hormone profile. So, yes, stress is extremely important. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually watching the news last night, and they had a doctor come up, and he was just talking about, like, how to get a better night's sleep so then you're, you know, de-stressed for your next day. And he made a good point, and, like, it just totally, like, blew over my head because you never really think about it for yourself. But he said that when you were a child, your parents would do everything they could to make you feel more calm going to bed by, you know, they'll read you a story, they'll take you and uh, do a bath for you or they'll you know cuddle with you right before bed and that you know 20 minutes of you know disconnecting yourself from the world will make that sleep so much better and then the day you feel stress-free and I was like holy crap I have so many people even I do this where I'm still on my phone emailing people right before I have to go to bed and you're constantly thinking of that in the back of your head and your sleep's probably not that great yeah, and, and I would say the screen is, is not doing you any favors either. So I think you've got it right there is, is you know, come up with a sleep ritual uh, of, of kind of the things you're going to do before you go to get bed. I mean, you know, most people, we're going we're gonna to brush our hair, brush our teeth. Um, you know, we're going to go in and make sure maybe we, we set our clothes out for the next morning. Uh, you know, some things like that. Um, you know, 
take a bath if that if that relaxes you and calms you down. Uh, take a take a warm, nice bath in the evening. Uh, you know, sit down with uh, some some fiction a fiction book that you enjoy. Uh, you know, turn on uh, some candles so you got natural light. Uh, get yourself into this kind of this this mode of okay, this is how I'm going to spend the last thirty minutes of each day. Um, and, and then you kind of set your, your, your body to do the natural things that it's supposed to do. Definitely. Uh, the other one I was going to say, uh, I actually saw it on your Twitter that you're doing a, was it like a 30 day sugar detox? Yes. And, uh, I was just watching, I think it's called fed up. It's like a documentary about the obesity crisis in the United States. And the whole thing was basically about sugar and how, you know, the average American like eats almost like four times the amount of sugar that they're supposed to have in their body. And then you wonder why everyone's obese. So can you kind of shed some light on sugar on itself? Yeah. Um, sugar in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, in, in, in small doses, uh, it's a very efficient fuel. So you can think of it like rocket fuel for your body. It's something that your body's going to want to burn straight away and use for energy. So if you're an endurance athlete, you know, they'll often have sugar sources with them uh, while they're exercising because they burn all the glycogen in their, in their liver and muscles up. Um, and then at that point, their body now uh, doesn't have the fuel it needs to keep going. So ha- giving it a fuel source that is quick burn like sugar at that point uh, is valuable to keep them in the game. However, if you're just a normal human being going through life, uh, when you eat uh, sugar, uh, your your brain can only handle so much sugar uh, in your in your in your bloodstream. If there's too much sugar in your bloodstream, uh, it can damage the brain. So there's a hormone that comes out of the pancreas called insulin, and this insulin goes out there and says, "Okay, let's collect up this excess sugar and let's store it." Now, that can be very valuable to us as humans if uh, when, we were, when we were, you know, back in the day, because we would go through the spring and summer eating the berries and fruits and storing a le- little extra body fat. And then when we got to the winter, there wasn't berries and fruits around. So then our body would turn to start burning that fat down. And that was a good cycle so we could go through periods of time uh, of feast and famine. And our bodies are very well equipped to do that. But today we have just so much available. And like you said, the average human being right now in the, in the West, and particularly in the United States, eats over 150 pounds of sugar per year. Yeah. And it's not like we sit there with spoons open, you know, open into white stuff, just spoon it in our mouth. This is coming from high fructose corn syrup that's in our, that's in our, our soft drinks and our foods. And everything that's marked low fat if you check the sugar content on it, the only way they're going to get a low-fat thing to taste good is to add sugar. Uh, so typically, a low-fat uh, item is going to have been laced with a whole lot of extra sugars. So the base thing is if you eat the sugar, your body creates the insulin and then starts stirring the fat. And then because it removed that sugar from your bloodstream, uh, you suddenly want sugar again. And sugar is a very addictive substance. That feeling you get when you eat it, that dopamine of you know eating an ice cream or eating a cookie, that's a real thing. It, it happens. It's a, it's a chemical reaction in the brain. It makes you feel good. So it makes you want to do it again. 
So you get into the cycle of, okay, you woke up in the morning and you had that bagel and that simple carbohydrate from the bagel uh, turns into blood sugar. The insulin comes in, sucks it all up, stores it as fat. And by 10 o'clock, you're hungry again. And that wouldn't happen if maybe you ate uh, some whole grain uh, oatmeal, still cut oatmeal. You might not have that blood sugar. Or in in my case, I would eat a a, a breakfast that has a lot more fat in it, a little bit of protein, uh, and, and almost no carbs. And what happens is over time, if you end up with so much insulin in your system, you become pre-diabetic and then diabetic because uh, you can't create the insulin fast enough to deal with the blood sugar. You, you, your, your pancreas just kind of gives up. And that's when you end up with too much blood sugar. And that's when you have to start taking the blood sugar lowering meds and the injectable insulin. Uh, and you know, now because you're injecting insulin, uh, you're storing fat and you know, that's people who go on insulin, gain weight, they gain fat, they can't help it. So the only way you're really going to break that cycle is to stop eating the sugar and it, and it hurts the first couple days when you do this because your body's going to fight you. Uh, the cravings are going to be there, but after you kind of get through that initial period, uh, the, the clarity and how you feel just kind of goes way, way up. Um, and most people find fairly quickly uh, that they'll shed a good bit of weight uh, just just from this one practice of limiting their sugars to less than 50 grams a day. And I think it's a simple step because it's just one thing you need to look out for. But the problem is, is like like you said, if anything comes out of a box or a bottle, you look at the ingredients in the back and it's like, holy crap, this has a lot of sugar and this is just bread. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, and that's, that's the funniest thing is you'll sit there and pick up something and say, well, I don't, I don't think this is a problem. And then you, you look at a label or you look up the nutrition information, you're like, wow, you know, uh, that is really going to hit me. Now, uh, you're right in that uh, for this challenge and, and what I kind of want to get people doing uh, for the challenge, uh, and this is just during the month of September, we're going to do 30 days, is to start paying attention to this this one thing and doing one thing kind of keeps you targeted. And, you know, there's, there's two things that'll happen for most people that participate in a challenge like this. Uh, one is, uh, they're going to lose water weight, uh, almost immediately. So most people that are scale, you know, scale freaks that want to make sure they're losing weight will actually see weight loss really early in this process. Um, and then once they kind of get their energy levels maintained and kind of get their insulin kind of under the right blood sugars in the right level, uh, then their energy, everything's going to feel a lot better. Uh, they'll begin losing weight just naturally from the process. And, and so it's, it's, it's not really that hard. You just have to pay attention to what you're putting in your mouth, be a little bit more mindful about it. Um, and so I have people just, just log it, just write down how much sugars in the food you're eating, um, and make different choices. Uh, you know, and it's, 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 it seems like a, a simple, simple thing, but it's going to have uh, pretty huge effects on people. And then if they just continue that as a lifestyle going forward, they're going to see huge health benefits over time. Yeah, I love that. I love having just like one simple thing that people can follow and master that one skill. And it gives off so much benefit to their health. And like the one simple thing I tell people is like, what do you have in your coffee every morning? If it's a giant frappuccino from Starbucks, pretty sure there's a lot of sugar in that. You can just go plain black coffee and you'd be surprised after a month how good you'd feel. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was working on this challenge and I think I was looking at, at a product from Jamba Juice and it had 96 grams of sugar. 
Oh man. In just in just one twenty four ounce serving of this stuff. And I'm like, people go to Jama Juice because they think it's healthy. Yeah. And wow, you know, they, they just had four days worth of sugar. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Like you, you go to like seven 11 or any kind of corner store and you have like the big gulp that's 64 ounces and the people fill it up with Coke and they just down that whole thing. Or even like the movie theater, same thing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, we've been conditioned uh, by the food companies and, and I, I don't blame them. I mean, you know, they're for profit entities. They want us to drink more of their products, to eat more of their products. Uh, but we've been trained to to just have certain certain habits, certain lifestyles. And so giving us larger portions, people then want larger portions. And if you walked into a restaurant and you ordered a meal and they gave you three ounces of meat, which is a standard portion, and then three quarters of your plate was covered with vegetables, and I mean leafy green vegetables and you know broccoli and you know crucifix vegetables, those, those kind of things. You would feel ripped off. People would yeah. be like, "I'm not going to eat here anymore." I mean, they don't, look, look, they look at that little steak. They they gave me three ounces of beef. Well, three ounces is standard serving, not sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I walk into a restaurant now, I, I, that's exactly what I do. I sit there and I'll cut off one third of the steak and I'll just ask them for a box. And I put that yeah, steak in your that next box. Meal for yeah. next time. I've got, I've got, <laughs> one, I've got two more meals sitting in a box, you know? So just cut, I cut it in thirds and I put yeah. two thirds of it in a box and I take that home. And then, I, yeah, I've got, I've got my, uh, my dinner right there. I sit down and have a nice dinner and I'm, I'm fully satisfied and then I, I, the next morning, if I want to maybe cook a couple eggs and warm up the steak, now I've got steak and eggs. That's awesome. And maybe I'll have it for lunch. So, you know, there you go. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I get ripped off now. I feel like I get a bargain because I get three meals out of one. But, um, you know, I think people, people would be drastically shocked if they looked and knew what a true serving size of something was supposed to be and how much we're actually eating. Yeah, like portion control is a huge one because people have this idea that their whole plate has to be like filled to the rim of the plate, and that's exactly. And and I and I don't think that's wrong. I just think if if you're going to do that, make sure that ninety percent of it or seventy five percent of it is vegetables. You yeah, know? <laughs> not not a big slab of of meat, and then you know big chunks of potatoes and and other starchy vegetables and things that are gonna you know that are that are not going to serve your body. You know, you, you, people need to turn around and say, okay, what what is food? And I and I can tell you, basically, food is two things. Food is fuel, so you need to make sure that you're giving your body good fuel. And then the other thing it is is food is the materials that you're going to build tomorrow's body with. So. If, if you go through and say, okay, I'm, I know tomorrow I'm building my eyes, uh, and you knew you were building your eyes tomorrow, the cells in your eyes were going to be rebuilt tomorrow, what kind of foods would you put in your mouth today? But that is the reality of it. Your whole body is being rebuilt as you live in it. The cells are being replaced, and the building materials to do that are going into your mouth. So, you know, that's that to me is where the rubber hits the road is. Make a decision each time you eat to do it mindfully and know why you're eating what you're eating, and then you'll, you'll make much better decisions. I love that example. Um, so last question, because I'm going to have to train clients pretty soon here. Um, 
here's like a little case study for you. So say you have a mother of two, she's in her early forties and she's trouble, she has trouble losing weight. But in the past, she's done every single diet you can think of. And all she wants is quick weight loss. What would be kind of, you know, your prescription for long-term success for her? Okay. Well, you use the term quick weight loss and I would immediately turn to her and say, I think you have your priorities a little wrong. And, 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 and so I would probably have a discussion with her about health and how weight is probably the worst proxy for health. Now I know everybody's going to look at the scale, so I'm not going to tell them to not look at the scale, but I'm going to say what you want is a better body, a better composition to your body. So let's focus on body fat and, you know, if I happen to have the calibers around, I can, I can do that measurement. Um, but I typically just say, okay, let's get a tape measure out and measure you. And measure the neck, chest, stomach at the widest, the waist at the thinnest, and then the hips at the widest. And maybe your upper arms and upper legs. And write those down. And then you can write down your weight and um, take a picture. Now, the first step in this because now you have a benchmark, you know where you are, is to go through that, that process I told you about making a commitment in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Is understand your why, and her why's may probably very, very well be her children, okay? And then uh, what, what does that look like? What does your health and fitness look like? And get that definition. And then I would have her make a verbal vow right in front of me. I'd have her write it down and I'd have her read it to me. And I'd say, okay, now you've made this commitment to yourself. What are you going to do about it? And then from that point, we would, we would talk about the nutrition, which for me uh, is, is pretty, pretty simple, is sugar goes down, water goes up. And then as far as fitness, well, that depends on what she sees fitness looking like. She may want to be stronger. She may want to be more athletic and have more endurance. She may want to be a runner. She may want to uh, be able to play a particular sport. So building the fitness program is a little bit more complex because uh, you shouldn't just do fitness. You should know what you're trying to accomplish with it. And then you should do the work that's necessary to to build those modalities that matter the most to you. Because again, we're going after that why, we're going after that that vision, and the only way we're gonna do that is by having a program that's focused around that. But as far as the food, pretty simple. Lower the sugar and, and, and beef up the water. And you do those two things, and I would say 90% of the people are gonna drop most of the weight they'd ever wanna lose. No, I really like that idea of like actually writing down their goal and having them recite it to you, because now, they're like, oh shit, I'm like accountable now because I just told you and I written down. That's like bulletproof. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, now take, take that, make a copy and put it on your refrigerator, put it on your cabinet, you know, put it in your car, uh, put it in your gym bag, uh, put it in your office, you know, wherever, wherever you might be where you're just going to need to be reminded not to go to the snack machine or not to open that fridge after seven o'clock. Or, you know, when you're, when you're going to the grocery store, you see it in the car. It's like, okay, I'm not going to go buy the sweet snacks. I'm, I'm going to walk straight to the vegetable section, straight to the meat section. And I'm not going to go to the interior of the grocery store uh, because I know there's nothing in the interior that I really need. Um, and then I'm going to walk back around the exterior and I'm going to go out and check out and I'm going to buy real food. Uh, so I've lowered my sugars naturally by eating real food. And now I'm also, you know, focused on, on my health, um, 
and you know, learning learning more and more each day about what's important to me. You know, having that in front of you is going to keep you focused on it. And it's just like you wear a wedding ring to remind yourself, uh, you know, and remind others that you have this commitment. Uh, you, you, this is no different. You know, just make the commitment to your health and, and then just go do it. That's awesome. Uh, so for everybody else, where can they find you on the uh, Internet? If you're on Twitter, Facebook, if you have any other, like, projects coming up, just let them all know. Absolutely. Well, what I, what I want to do uh, for your listener here, what I want to do for you is I, I basically took the time. I'm going to give you guys access to a free mini course. And because I told you I really think functional fitness is important, um, I've put together um, a, little, a little series of videos that demonstrate five different exercises that really are, are kind of unique in that you probably aren't doing these exercises. Um, and and they are exercises that you can add to a program or you can do all five of them as a circuit program yourself. Uh, either way you want to do it. It's, it's built to be a standalone program if you want to do it that way. Uh, and it does work pretty much every muscle in your body uh, if you'll go through this process. doesn't require a whole lot of equipment. It does require, uh, you know, you'll, you'll want a large kettlebell and you'll want a small kettlebell or dumbbell. Uh, you can find those in most standard gyms. But if they'll go to 40 plus fitness podcast forward slash Raphael, they can find, nice. uh, that's a link to a page I've made specifically for you. For you. And they can go there. They can access the mini course. Uh, also on that page is that they can get access to the Facebook group, 40 Plus Fitness Podcast. Uh, and I have my Twitter on there as well, Older Fitness, at, you know, at, at Older Fitness Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, you know, again, I think a lot of people, you know, that maybe they don't have the right in the program and that's, that's stalling them out and they don't feel good about it. Or they just don't know where to start. Uh, you know, this is, these are, these are, I'm going to say simple exercises, but they're good basic exercises for someone that just basically wants to try to move around a little bit more. Um, they're interesting because they're they're not they're not movements that you probably do on a day like like one of them's a bear crawl. Uh, when's the last time you got into the bear position and started crawling around the floor? Um, another one's a Turkish get-up, and so you know that's a a multi-segment movement that you go through uh, that requires a lot of balance and uh, you know muscle attention and awareness um, to go through the exercise. And there's a link to you know coordination of your mind and your body as you're going through that exercise. So, like I said, just put I put together a few uh, functional exercises that I think people will enjoy doing, um, and I encourage them to check it out. Thank you so much for that, and thank you for your time today. That was awesome. Oh, no, I appreciate the time with you, too.